Edward Reeb's Buddhist Books Podcast, episode 110. That sounds special, doesn't it? Um, speaking of uh, grades, uh, our special guest today, Budai, doing the sign of the Theoricus. It's a little inside joke for a few of you. Um, but real quick, if this is your first time seeing me, do go ahead and click way up there in the trees. Um, and that will take you to the Tipitaka playlist. Better to start with episode one. Um, so this is episode 110 of Edward Reeves' Buddhist Books podcast, but it is part 49 of, uh, of the Tipitaka recitals. Those of you who are quick with math will note that there were 61 episodes before I started the Tipitaka recitals, but eh, eh, eh. if you're into it, you can check out the Jayan Sutras. Um, I did about 25 episodes of Jay and Sutras immediately before we started the Tipitaka. Those are worth checking out. The Dhammapada, you can also check out the Dhammapada if you wish. Um, to make that decision, basically we're going over the rules right now. Those of you who have followed this all the way through already know this, of course. But for those of you who just stumbled upon this one video, these are the rules for the monks 2,600 years ago. Don't do that. Hey, put that down. You only get one begging bowl. Things like that. So if you are interested more in specifically the old school Buddhist teachings, you might check out the Terava or the check out the Dhammapada. That's uh, from I believe the second basket or maybe the third basket. What we're doing is the first basket, at least the way that I've delineated the baskets. I've seen people put this as the second basket, which is a little bit like, okay, so where did the well anyway. We'll figure it all out eventually. Basically, I'm learning as I go, and I'm inviting you to learn with me. My uh, knowledge of Buddhism was a little bit like Swiss cheesy before, except in this case, the, where the, you normally find holes in Swiss cheese, and then the cheese around it. For me, the holes are the cheese, and the cheese around it were the holes. So I am seeking at this uh, period in my life to fill in all the gaps. And I've chosen to do that by starting at the very beginning, and I'm reading the entire Tipitaka, which is the three baskets of old-school Buddhism and Theravada Buddhism. Um, but basically, yes, to get back to our special guest real quick, let's just... Ooh, oh, oh! Bet you didn't know, realize that those travel with me. They're not attached to my desk in New Delhi. Um, so, yes, here we have Dogen representing Zen. However, 400 years before, uh, or 300-ish, two or 300 years before Dogen brought Chan Buddhism into Japan and it became known as Zen Buddhism, there was a certain Chan character, you could call him a monk, I think he was dressed like a monk at least, named Budai. And uh, one common rookie mis mistake among, let's say, Westerners, because nobody's come up with a better term yet, although that term is a bit dated, I feel. Um, people from uh, Canada, America, UK, France, who are really know nothing actually about Buddhism or heard, are, are just beginning, maybe they heard one or two things, they might see a statue of Buddha and say, oh, that's the Buddha. You can tell because he's got the Buddha belly. More of a Budai belly, please, and thank you. Um, yes, he lived about 1,600 years after the one we call Lord Buddha, Siddhartha Gautama, 
for reference, you and I are living uh, about 2,600 years after Lord Buddha. Unless you are in my future, perhaps you are watching this from two or 300 years in my future, in which case you're about 28 or 2,900 years after Lord Buddha. But anyway, so Budai was known for his good humor, always smiling, always jovial, always laughing. He loved eating. Um, so yeah, a little different from the, you know, fasting and very serious, usually very serious, uh, character we know as Lord Buddha, although he does at times have a sense of humor. And, uh, yeah, so he's also known as Hotai in, uh, Japan, and he has other names in other places, but those are the two that I'm familiar with, and surely I'm not pronouncing them correctly. So, Budai, different from Buddha. Buddha, usually very thin. Uh, he fasted for a number of years, didn't eat anything except for bird droppings and, you know, things like that. Um, and then he started eating rice. That was kind of his, at one point, that was the beginning of his diverging from the ascetic, the ascetic path that uh, the others around him were on, more of like a hardcore Mahavir path of don't eat for 15 years. He didn't eat for, I think it was seven years, some number of years. And uh, then he decided to accept rice that was given to him by a lady. And then the other ascetics around him said, you have fallen off the path. You have broken your vow and they abandoned him. But he knew that he had found the true path or, you know, the the balanced path, the middle way as they come as it came to be known. Uh, Madhyamaka, which we'll get to later on, that's a division of this. We'll find a uh, a symbol for that and uh, stick it in between somewhere later on when we get to it. Uh, but Madhyamaka, from what I understand, means middle way. So uh, there's great emphasis put on that. But that was referring to, yes, it's okay to accept food that's given to you. So rather than just sitting under a tree and starving until you either die or attain enlightenment, go beg for food once a day and, you know, keep yourself going that way. That was uh, one of the early contributions uh, that Lord Buddha gave to the path, you might say. So if I said everything there is to say about Budai, um, there's a number of quotes and interesting things attributed to him. His body is supposedly in a temple somewhere. Um, I think I have a picture of him taken by my grandfather at one of the monasteries that he visited in the 1920s in Western China. If I did, then you just saw it, and if I couldn't find it, then you didn't see it, but I think I'll be able to find it. Um, so yeah, he's our special guest for today. By the way, thank you, Ashley. This is Ashley's statue, um, as well as the resting Buddha. And hello, I found out yesterday that he, uh, he saw the last video uh, taken on his front balcony, so I thought I'd do one in the backyard. Um, as it turns out, we're going to be back in Delhi the next time you see me. We uh, have to return a bit earlier than we were expecting. So so I'll be back at my desk. And the microphone will be a bit closer to my face and things will be a bit more normal. But for today, I thought this is a really nice spot to, uh, to record uh, Tibitaka Part 49, in which I will be reciting Pakitiya... 12, and uh, we'll see where it goes from there. Of course, you already know, if you're 
astutely paying attention to the opening scroll or the title of the episode. Sorry for rambling on so much in this one at the beginning. I'll go ahead and get to the reading. All right. Expiation. Pakitia. Twelve. At one time, the Enlightened One, the Lord, was staying at Kosambi in Gosita's monastery. Now, at that time, the Venerable Channa, you remember Channa? I remember the name, but I forgot what he did. Anyway, having indulged in bad habits, that's what it was, bad habits. Being examined for an offense in the midst of the order, shelved the questions by asking others. So, uh, quick note, shelved the question by others. And then in parentheses, an S at the end of question and the word asking. So it actually says in Pali, directly translated, he shelved the question by others. The translator, to be helpful, thank you, Miss Horner, uh, it, it changed that to shelved the questions by asking others. So he's avoiding answering questions. We've all met people like that, right? Politicians and whatnot. Saying, quote, who has committed? What has he committed? On what ground has he committed? How has he committed? What do you say? Why do you say? Open parentheses, it, close parentheses, end quote. What nuclear documents? Those who were modest monks, doesn't say that, I added that. Those who were modest monks, three dots, spread it about, saying, quote, How can the venerable Channa, being examined for an offense in the midst of the order, shelve the questions by asking others, saying, quote, then quotes, who has committed? Three dots. What do you say? Open parentheses. Why do you say? Parentheses. It. Close parentheses. End quote within quotes. End quote. Three dots. For those who are new, uh, I.B. Horner and perhaps other translators at the Polytech Society has thought maybe to save paper or to save time that uh, whenever something is said that has been said at some point, maybe 500 pages earlier or maybe one page earlier they would replace it with three dots I find this personally infuriating though sometimes I find it justifiable when uh, there's a long long thing that's almost word for word being repeated ten times then that, that makes sense but in most cases like for example at the beginning of every chapter it starts with three dots and so I have to fill in at one time the enlightened one the lord I think that's an odd thing to put in three dots, personally. Okay, just catching up the people who decided not to take my advice and start with episode one. Sorry about that. <clears throat> quote, it is true, Lord, end quote. He said. So within the three dots must have been uh, that they took this matter to the Lord, and the Lord asked him, is it true that you shelve questions by asking others? And he replied, It is true, Lord. The Enlightened One, the Lord, rebuked him, saying, quote, How can you, foolish man, being examined for an offense in the midst of the order, three dots, saying, quote within quotes, three dots, why do you say it in parentheses, question mark, close parentheses, within quotes, I mean, end quote, within quotes, another question mark, 
three dots. It is not, foolish man, for pleasing those who are not yet in parentheses pleased, three dots closed, quote, end quote, as they say in English. And having rebuked him and given reasoned talk, he addressed the monks, saying, quote, Well then, monks, let the order bring a charge of evasion against the monk Channa. Mm, evading the question. Evasion is a crime of expiation. Cool. And thus, monks, should he be charged. The order should be informed by an experienced, competent monk, saying, quote within quotes, Honored sirs, let the order listen to me. This monk, Channa, being examined for an offense in the midst of the order, shelved the question by asking others. With S and asking them, never mind. If it seems right to the order, the order should bring a charge of evasion against the monk Channa. This is the motion. Honored sirs, let the order listen to me. This monk Channa, three dots, by parentheses asking, close parentheses, others. The order brings a charge of evasion against the monk Channa. If the bringing of a charge of evasion against the monk Channa seems right to the venerable ones, let them be silent. If it does not seem right, they should speak. Wow, even the wind was silent there for a moment, so I take it we're charging him. All right. A charge of evasion is brought by the order against the monk Channa, and it is right. Three dots. So do I understand, end quote, within quotes, end quote. Then the Lord, having rebuked the venerable Channa, in many a figure for his difficulty in maintaining himself, three dots, quote, three dots, and thus, monks, this rule of training should be set forth. Oh, so he made the rule after he charged Channa with the rule. Nah, I'm sure it's fine. That's fine. Long time ago. All right. In evasion, there is an offense of expiation, end quote. And thus, this rule of training for monks came to be laid down by the Lord. Now, at that time, the venerable Channa, being examined for an offense in the midst of the order, thinking, quote, shelving the questions by asking others, I will fall into an offense, end quote. Parentheses, so, close parentheses, having become silent, he vexed the order. Those who were modest monks, three dots, spread it about, saying, quote, How can the venerable Channa, being examined for an offense in the midst of the order, having become silent, vex the order? End quote. Three dots. Is it true, as is said, that you, Channa, this is the Buddha talking, by the way, that you, Channa, being examined for an offense in the midst of the order, having become silent, vexed the order? End quote. It is true, Lord, he said. The enlightened one, the Lord, rebuked him, saying, quote, How can you, foolish man, three dots, vex the order? It is not, foolish man, for pleasing those who are not yet in parentheses, pleased, three dots, end quote, 
and having rebuked him and given reason to talk, he addressed the monks, saying, quote, Well then, monks, let the order bring a charge of vexing against the monk Channa, and thus monks three dots, as above in one, instead of evasion, reading vexing, instead of shelving the questions by asking others, read having become silent, he vexes the order. That's in parentheses, a little gift from the translator. Didn't want to translate it. Just said it's, it's like th what you just read, except it's this instead of that. So there you go. Eat it. It's the best we've got in English. Sadly. All right. Three dots. Should this rule of training be set forth? In evasion, in vexing, there is an offense of expiation. Evasion means being examined in the midst of the order on an example or for an offense, not wishing to speak of it, not wishing to bring it forward, he shelves the questions by asking others, saying, quote, Who is committed? What is he committed? On what ground is he committed? How is he committed? What do you say? Why do you say? Parentheses, it. Close parentheses. This means evasion. Vexing means being examined in the midst of the order on an example or for an offense, not wishing to speak of it, not wishing to bring it forward, having become silent, he vexes the order. This means vexing. If he is not being charged with evasion, parentheses but, close parentheses, is being examined in the midst of the order on an example or for an offense, parentheses and, close parentheses, not wishing to speak of it, not wishing to bring it forward, he shelves the question, open parentheses, closed parentheses, turning question into questions, right? For some reason, by asking, in parentheses, others, saying, quote, within quotes, who is committed, three dots, why do you say, parentheses, it, closed, quote, end quote, within quotes, there is an offensive wrongdoing. If he is not being charged with vexing, parentheses, but, close parentheses, being examined, three dots, not wishing to speak of it, not wishing to bring it forward, having become silent, he vexes the order. There is an offense of wrongdoing. If he is being charged with evasion, parentheses, and, and parentheses, is being examined, three dots, he shelves the questions by asking others, and asking in parentheses, of course, Open quote within quotes, three dots, why do you say, parentheses, it closed, end quote within quotes, there is an offense of expiation. If he is being charged with vexing and, in parentheses, is being examined, three dots, having become silent, he vexes the order, there is an offense of expiation. If he thinks that it is a legally valid act, when it is a legally valid act, in evasion, in vexing, there is an offense of expiation. If he is in doubt as to whether it is a legally valid act, in evasion, in vexing, there is an offense of expiation. If he thinks, so it's sort of like resisting arrest when you're innocent, a little bit. If he thinks that it is not a, a legally valid act, when it is a legally valid act, in evasion, in vexing, there is an offense of expiation. By the way, I don't know if the rest of the world has that or if it's just an American thing. In America, if a cop decides that you're guilty of something and says you're under arrest, you have to go with the cop even if you know you didn't do the thing 
And if you say, hey, 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 don't put those handcuffs on me, then you get charged with another crime called resisting arrest. If you uh, have a version of that in your country, other than America, do comment below. I'm curious. Anyway, if he thinks that it is a legally valid act when it is not a legally valid act, there is an offense of wrongdoing. If he is in doubt as to whether it is not a legally valid act, there is an offense of wrongdoing. If he thinks that it is not a legally valid act when it is not a legally valid act, there is no offense. thinks that it is not a legally valid act when it is not a legally valid act. There is no offense. Comment below if that made sense to you. I'll move on. There is no offense if, not knowing, he asks. If, being ill, he does not ask. If, thinking, quote, within quotes, quarrel or dispute or strife or contention will come to be for the order, and quote, then quotes, he does not speak. Ah... If he's staying quiet because he wants to avoid, like, a civil war in the Sangha or something, then it's okay. All right. If thinking, quote within quotes, there will come to be schism in the order, right, yeah, or dissension in the order, end quote within quotes, he does not speak. If thinking, quote within quotes, he will carry out an, parentheses, official, close parentheses, act, according to what is not the rule, or by an incomplete congregation or against one who is not suitable for an parentheses, official close parentheses, act, he does not speak, if he is mad, if he is the first wrongdoer, the second of the second set of ten expiations. So, in the old school Theravadan order, the monk does not have the right to remain silent. All right. All right. I mean, I think it was a fairly new concept 300 years ago, wasn't it? So, I don't judge them for that. So, that was number 12, uh, Pakitiya, or number 2 of the second set of 10. I wanted to mention, uh, let's bring it back over to here. I, I, I'm sure I probably did that on its own without turning it earlier so that we could get started with the early. But yeah, over here. Um, you might have thought to yourself, huh, I always thought of Zen as intensely serious, like dead serious, stare at the wall, no movement, or someone hits you with a stick. Who's this laughing, smiley guy, and how is it that he's part of the same form of Buddhism? Well, things were a little different in the 9th century. Did I mention 9th, ninth or 10th century, depending on who you ask? Um was when uh, Hotai or Buddha was walking the earth. That was, uh, I believe it was 8th or 9th century that uh, you have Hanshan and Shide, or Hanshan and Jitsoku. That's my imitation of Alan Watts's horrible pronunciation of Chinese and Japanese, so forgive me. Speakers of Chinese and Japanese, I got that wrong, no doubt. But yes, um, Hanshan means cold mountain, he was some kind of official, people guess, he never said, but based on his writings and the context and the time he was writing and so on and so forth, if he's a real person, presumably, uh, he was uh, probably part of a family that ended up not in good relations with the ruling family of the city or region that he was in, and so he was cast out. 
but then embraced it and in a Buddhist spirit he, he found a cave in a, on a cold mountain, hence the name Hanshan, the name he took. He named himself after the mountain he was living in. And he wrote a lot of poetry about how, you know, you can keep your linens, the sky is my blanket. You can keep your mattress, the stones are, are my, uh, my mattress. You know, things like that. Not exact quotes there. Uh, but his friend Shide was, uh, was an orphan who was raised in a local, a nearby monastery, and he became the chef, he became the cook. I mentioned in the previous episode that there are cooks in Mahayana Buddhism and Zen Buddhism. In this case, it's Chan, also known as Zen, basically. Zen is the Japanese way of saying Chan. Anyway, this was in China, though. And uh, so he would go, he would leave the monastery and go visit his friend Hanshan, and I think he was the only person, if I'm not mistaken, who knew how to get to Hanshan's cave. And Hanshan would occasionally visit him at his monastery, and they were good friends. Uh, so they were basically monks together, although I, I'm, I, I'm not sure if Hanshan was formally ordained, uh, but Shide was. And Shide also wrote poetry, but his poetry was more about what hypocrites the other monks were at his monastery. Um, although they would both write about the earth and nature and, you know, spiritual sort of things and, and enlightenment and time and all of this trippy stuff. And at one point, apparently, they took magic mushrooms together. So they're a fun, uh, you know, couple of monks. And uh, they were basically kind of contemporaries with, uh, in, this, in the same couple of centuries with and the same region, you know, China, as, uh, as Budai. And then later... Uh, from what I understand, just loosely speaking, uh, Chan, later known as Zen, became very became favorable with one of the emperors, and then a lot of people sent their their sons to join the Zen monasteries, the Chan monasteries, um, and uh, so it became more like a, a school or more more of a place where there'd be one one roshi, one monk. Who uh, or abbot, if you will, uh, who had to oversee, you know, a hundred sort of spoiled brats, you know, <laughs> and so that was when the stick became popular. And so by the time the 1200s rolled around, a few hundred years later, when Dogen came from Japan to uh, to China and uh, learned at a Soto Zen temple, that was the style of Chan that he learned was the much more strict sit until you attain enlightenment like in the example of Bodhidharma. Um, and if you move, if you fall asleep, someone hits you with a stick, that kind of thing. Uh, so these, these wandering monks, they, they like their stories. Those, those later strict monks would fondly tell stories and reminisce about the old days when there were these wandering Chan uh, monks and saints and you know sort of holy men and enlightened ones. But they themselves were a little more serious by then. So... That was something that I had wanted to mention about Bodai in that context, but now we'll dial it back again to not only Theravada, but old school Theravada, pre-sectarian Buddhism. And we'll read, let's say one more. We'll read Pakitya 13, Expiation, Pakitya 13. At one time, the Enlightened One, the Lord was staying at Rajagaha. Remember Rajagaha? Rajgir, that's right. Home of, that's right, Nalanda University and Mahavir, yes. In the bamboo grove, 
at the Swirl's Feeding Place. Now, at that time, the venerable Daba, the Malian, ooh, Daba the Malian, you remember? He was the one who attained enlightenment when he was seven years old. And then the, uh, the group of six monks were conspiring against him. Okay, okay, we're here. Assigned lodgings, that was his job. He said, well, now that I've attained enlightenment, I should have a job. I'll assign the lodgings. Okay. He assigned lodgings to the order and distributed meals, both of those things. Now at that time, monks who were followers of Metia and Bumajaka. Mm, I don't know about Metia and Bumajaka, but if, if by their fruits they are known, then they're not so great. Uh, were newly ordained, the followers were, were newly ordained as well as of little merit. It's a nice way of saying it. They obtained whatever inferior lodgings belonged to the order and inferior meals. These made monks look down upon the venerable Daba the Malian, saying, quote, Daba the Malian assigns lodgings through favoritism and distributes meals through favoritism, end quote. Those who were modest monks, three dots, spread it about, saying, quote, how can the monks who were followers of Metia and Bumajaka make monks look down upon the venerable Daba, the Malian? End quote. Three dots. Quote, is it true, as is said, that you monks made monks look down upon Daba, the Malian? End quote. Quote, it is true, Lord. End quote. The enlightened one, the Lord, rebuked them, saying, How can you? Foolish men, make monks look down upon Daba the Malian. It is not foolish men for pleasing those who are not yet in parentheses pleased. Three dots. And thus, monks, this rule of training should be set forth. In making parentheses someone, close parentheses, look down upon, there is an offense of expiation. End quote. And thus this rule of training for monks came to be laid down by the Lord. Now, at that time, monks who were followers of Metia and Bumajaka thought, quote, Making parentheses someone, close parentheses, looked down upon is forbidden by the Lord. Parentheses but, close parentheses, this much shall the monks hear. Close parentheses. And in the neighborhood of monks, they criticized the venerable Daba the Malian, saying, quote, Daba the Malian assigns lodgings through favoritism and distributes meals through favoritism. End quote. Those who were modest monks, three dots. As in one, instead of make monks look down upon, read criticize. Miss Horner didn't feel like translating that day. Three dots. Quote, three dots, and thus, monks, this rule of training should be set forth. In making, parentheses, someone, close parentheses, look down upon, in criticizing, there is an offense of expiation. End quote. Making, parentheses, someone, close parentheses, look down upon, means if he makes, parentheses, someone, close parentheses, look down upon, or if he criticizes one who is ordained, desiring to bring blame, desiring to bring discredit, desiring to bring shame to one who is ordained, parentheses, and, close parentheses, agreed upon by the order as a signer of lodgings or as distributor of meals or as a portioner of kanji, 
C-O-N-J-E-Y, or as a portioner of fruit, or as a portioner of solid foods, or as disposer of trifles, there is an offense of expiation. If he thinks that it is a legally valid act when it is a legally valid act, in making parentheses someone in close parentheses look down upon and criticizing, there is an offense of expiation. If he is in doubt as to whether it is a legally valid act, in making parentheses someone in close parentheses look down upon in criticizing, there is an offense of expiation. If he thinks that it is not a legally valid act when it is a legally valid act, in making parentheses someone in close parentheses look down upon in criticizing, there is an offense of expiation. If he makes parentheses someone in close parentheses look down upon, or if he criticizes one who is not ordained, there is an offense of wrongdoing. If he makes someone, in parentheses, look down upon, or if he criticizes one who is ordained, or one who is not ordained, desiring to bring blame, desiring to bring discredit, desiring to bring shame to one who is ordained, but, in parentheses, not agreed upon by the order as a signer of lodgings, three dots, as disposer of trifles, there is an offense of wrongdoing. Ah, so it's expiation if you're making people look down upon the person assigning the lodgings and doing, you know, the official business of the Sangha. But it's a wrongdoing if you do it in any other case. All right. If he makes, parentheses, someone, close parentheses, look down upon, or if he criticizes one who is ordained, or one who is not ordained, desiring to blame, desiring to bring discredit, desiring to bring shame, to one who is not ordained, parentheses, but, close parentheses, agreed upon or not agreed upon by the order as a signer of lodgings, three dots, or as disposer of trifles, there is an offense of wrongdoing. I'll listen to that slowly a few times later in my own time to see if I can make sense of it. If he thinks that it is a legally valid act when it is not a legally valid act, there is an offense of wrongdoing. If he is in doubt as to whether it is not a legally valid act, there is an offense of wrongdoing. If he thinks that it is not a legally valid act when it is not a legally valid act, there is no offense. I think I understand that part this time. So if Joe Bob the monk is fornicating, let's say, right? And you see him do it, you see, you, with other senses, let's just say three of the senses you can choose, you know that he did it, and then you talk about it. You're not, like, marring his reputation or making people look down upon him. Or, you, I mean, even if you are, if he, if he did the bad thing that you're saying he did, like the monks who spread it about saying, right, then you're fine, you're good. It's only if, uh, if you're lying. I mean, right? Lying is its own rule of uh, expiation. But if, if, you know, in this case, they're saying it's out of favoritism. Well, they don't know it's out of favoritism or not. They're saying it's out of favoritism. They're speculating. So, right. Make sense? Kind of. Okay. There is no offense if he makes, parentheses, someone, close parentheses, look down upon, or if he criticizes one acting by nature from desire, from hatred, from stupidity, from fear, if he is mad, if he is the first wrongdoer. Interesting. All right. The third of the second set 
of 10 Pakitia. So, we will pick up with Pakitia 14 uh, in my office in Delhi next time. Thank you all for going on this ride with me. Thank you to our special guest, Budai, also known as Hotai. And special thanks to you for going on this ride with me that I already say that. I already said that. I'm being redundant. Okay. Is that an offense? All right. I will go ahead and close now. And then I will go for a walk with Priyal to this lake. It's nice, huh? All right. <clears throat> Just four minutes that way. Okay. To the north and to the south, to the east and to the west, to the spirits of light among us and to the spirits below, we send out our reverent love and compassion. May all beings be happy. May all beings be serene. May all beings be in peace.